sixth and seventh day of the chemical wedding of christian rosenkreutz author unknown translated by e foxcroft this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by kirk ziegler the next morning after we had awakened one another we sat together a while to discourse what might yet be the event of things for some were of opinion that they should all be livened again together others contradicted it because the decrease of the ancients was not only to restore life but to increase to the young ones some imagined that they were not put to death but that others were beheaded in their stead we having now talked together a pretty long while in comes the old man to us and first saluting us looks about him to see if all things were ready and in the process enough done we had herein so behaved ourselves that he had no fault to find with our diligence whereupon he placed all the glasses together and put them into a case presently come certain youths bringing with them some ladders ropes and large wings which they laid down before us and departed the old man began thus my dear sons one of these three things must each of you this day constantly bear about with him now it is free for you either to make a choice of one of them or to cast lots about it we replied we would choose nay said he let it rather go by lot hereupon he made three little schedules in one he writ ladder on the second rope on the third wings these he laid in a hat and each man must draw and whatever he happened upon that was to be his those who got the ropes imagined themselves to be in the best case but i chanced on the latter which hugely affected me for it was twelve foot long and pretty weighty and i must be forced to carry it whereas the others could handsomely coil their ropes about them as for the wings the old man joined them so nearly on the third sort as if they had grown upon them hereupon he turned the cock and then the fountain ran no longer and we were fain to remove it from the middle out of the way after all things were carried off he taking with him the casket and the glasses took leave and locked the door fast after him so that we imagined no other but that we had been imprisoned in this tower but it was hardly a quarter of an hour before a round hole at the very top was uncovered where we saw our virgin who called to us and bade us good morrow desiring us to come up they with the wings were instantly above the hole only they with the ropes were in evil plight for as soon as ever one of us was up he was commanded to draw up the ladder to him at last each man's rope was hanged on an iron hook so every one was fain to climb up by his rope as well as he could which indeed was not compassed without blisters now as soon as we were all well up the hole was covered again and we were friendly received by the virgin the room was the whole breadth of the tower itself having six very stately vestries a little raised above the room and to be entered by the ascent of three stairs in these vestries we were distributed there to pray for the life of the king and queen meanwhile the virgin went in and out at the little door till we had done for as soon as our process was absolved there was brought in and placed in the middle through the little door by twelve persons which formerly were our musicians a wonderful thing of longish shape which my companions took only to be a fountain but i well observed that the corpse lay in it for the inner chest was of an oval figure so large that six persons might well lie in it one by another after which they again went forth fetched their instruments and conducted our virgin together with her she attendants and a almost delicate noise of music the virgin carried a little casket but the rest only branches and small lamps and some two lighted torches the torches were immediately given into our hands and we were to stand about the fountain in this order first stood virgin a with her attendants in a ring about the lamps and branches c next stood we with our torches b then the musicians in a long rank last of all the rest of virgins d in another long rank too now whence the virgins came or whether they dwelled in the castle or whether they were brought in by night i know not for all their faces were covered with delicate white linen so that i could not know any of them hereupon the virgin opened the casket in which there was a round thing wrapped up in a piece of green double taffeta she laid in the uppermost kettle and then covered it with a lid which was full of holes and had besides a rim on which she poured in some water which we had the day before prepared 
whence the fountain began immediately to run, and through four small pipes to drive into the little kettle. Beneath the undermost kettle there were many sharp points, on which the virgins stuck their lamps, that so the heat might come to the kettle, and make the water seethe. Now the water, beginning to simper, by many little holes at, it fell upon the bodies, and was so hot that it dissolved them all, and then turned them into liquor. But what the above said, round wrapped up a thing was, my companions knew not. But I understood that it was the moor's head, from which the water conceived so great a heat. At B, around about the great kettle, there were again many holes, in which they stuck their branches. Now whether this was done of necessity, or only for ceremony, I know not. However, these branches were continually besprinkled by the fountain, whence it afterwards dropped somewhat of a deeper yellow into the kettle. This lasted for near two hours, that the fountain was still constantly ran of itself, but yet the longer, the fainter it was. In the meantime, the musicians went their way, and we walked up and down the room, and truly the room was so made, that we had opportunity enough to pass away our time. There was for images, paintings, clocks, organs, springing fountains, and the like, nothing forgotten. Now it was near the time that the fountain ceased, and would no longer run, upon which the virgin commanded a round golden globe to be brought. At the bottom of the fountain there was a tap, by which she let out all the matter that was dissolved by those hot drops, whereof certain quarts were then very red, into the globe. The rest of the water which remained above in the kettle was poured out, and so this fountain, which was now become much lighter, was again carried forth. Whether it was opened abroad, or whether anything of the bodies that was further useful yet remained, I dare not certainly say. But this I know, that the water that was emptied into the globe was much heavier than six, yet more of us were able to bear. Albeit for its bulk it should have seemed not too heavy for one man. Now this globe, being with so much ado gotten out of doors, we again sat alone. But I perceived a trampling overhead, had an eye to my ladder. Here one might take notice of the strange opinions of my companions had concerning this fountain. For they not imagining, but that the bodies lay in the garden of the castle, knew not what to make of this kind working. But I thanked God that I had wakened in so opportune a time, and saw that which helped me the better in all the virgin's business. After one quarter of an hour the cover was again lifted off, and we commanded to come up, which was done as before with wings, ladders, and ropes. And it did not little vex me, that whereas the virgins could go up another way, we were fain to take so much toil. Yet I could well judge that there must be some special reason in it, and we must leave somewhat for the old man to do. For even those with wings had no advantage by them, but when they were to mount through the hole. Now being gotten up thither so, and the hole shut again, I saw the globe hanging by a strong chain in the middle of the room. In this room was nothing else but mere windows, and still between two windows there was a door, which was covered with nothing but great polished looking-glass. And these windows and looking-glasses were so optically opposed to one another, that although the sun, which now shined exceedingly bright, beat only upon one door, yet, after the windows towards the sun were opened, and the doors before the looking-glasses drawn aside, in all quarters of the room there was nothing but suns, which by artificial reflections beat upon the whole golden globe hanging in the midst. And as for as much as the same was polished, it gave such a luster that none of us could open our eyes, but were there forced to look out at windows till the globe was well heated, and brought to the desired effect. Here I may well now avow that in these mirrors I have seen the most wonderful spectacle that ever nature brought to light, for there were suns in all places, and the globe in the middle shined yet, and callings, although he was none of our fraternity, yet brighter, so that, but for one twinkling of an eye, we could no more endure it than the sun itself. At length the virgin commanded to shut up the looking-glasses again, and to make fast the windows, and so let the little globe cool again. And this was done about seven of the clock. Wherefore we thought good, since we might now have leisure a little to refresh ourselves with a breakfast. This treatment again was right philosophical, and we had no need to be afraid of intemperance. Yet we had no want. And the hope of the future joy, with which the Virgin continually comforted us, made us so jocund that we regarded not any pains or inconvenience. 
and this i can truly say to concerning my companions of high quality that their minds never ran after their kitchen or table but their pleasure was only to attend upon this adventurous psychic and hence to contemplate the creator's wisdom and omnipotency after we had taken our reflection we again settled ourselves to work for the globe was sufficiently cooled which with toil and labor we were to lift off the chain and set upon the floor now the dispute was how to get the globe asunder for we were commanded to divide the same in the midst the conclusion was that a sharp pointed diamond would best do it now when we had thus opened the globe there was nothing of redness more to be seen but a lovely great snow-white egg it was most mightily rejoiced us and this was so well brought to pass for the virgin was in perpetual care lest the shell might still be too tender we stood round about this egg as jocund as if we ourselves had laid it but the virgin made it presently be carried forth and departed herself too from us again and as always locked the door too but what she did abroad with the egg or whether it were some way privately handled i know not neither do i believe it yet we were again to pause together for one quarter of an hour till the third hole were opened and we by means of our instruments were come upon the fourth stone or floor in this room we found a great copper kettle filled with yellow sand which was warmed with a gentle fire afterwards the egg was raked up in it that it might therein come to perfect maturity this kettle was exactly square upon one side stood these two verses writ in great letters o do not cease praying my beloved if it pleases you pray then for gold on the second side were these three words health snow lance meaning healing is dependent on the lance the third had no more but this one word fiat or so be it but on the hindermost part stood an entire inscription running thus what fire air water and earth are not able to rescue from the holy ashes of our kings and queens the host of faithful alchemists have collected into this urn in the year of the lord fourteen fifty nine now whether the sand or egg were hereby meant i leave to the learned dispute yet do i my part and omit nothing undeclared our egg being now ready was taken out but it needed no cracking for the bird that was in it soon freed himself and showed himself very jocund yet he looked very bloody and unshapen we first set him upon the warm sand so the virgin commanded that before we gave him anything to eat we should be sure to make him fast otherwise he would give us all work enough this being done too food was brought him which surely was nothing else than the blood of the beheaded diluted again with prepared water by which the bird grew so fast under our eyes that we well saw why the virgin gave us such warning of him he bit and scratched so devilishly about him that could he have had his own will upon any of us he would soon have dispatched him now he was wholly black and wild wherefore other meat was brought him perhaps the blood of another of the royal persons whereupon all his black feathers molted again and instead of them there grew out snow-white feathers he was somewhat tamer too and suffered himself to be more tractable nevertheless we did not yet trust him the third feeding his feathers began to be so curiously colored that in all my life i never saw the like colors for beauty he was also exceeding tame and behaved himself so friendly with us that the virgin consenting we released him from captivity tis now the season began our virgin since by your diligence and by our old man's consent the bird has attained both his life and the highest perfection that he be also joyfully consecrated by us herewith she commanded to bring in dinner and that we should again refresh ourselves since the most troublesome part of our work was now over and it was fit we should begin to enjoy our past labors we began to make ourselves merry together howbeit we still had all our morning clothes on which seemed somewhat reproachful to our mirth now the virgin was perpetually inquisitive perhaps to find which of us her future purpose might prove serviceable but her discourse was for the most part about melting and it pleased her well when one seemed expert in such compendious manuals as do peculiarly commend an artist 
This dinner lasted not above three-quarters of an hour, which we yet for the most part spent with our bird, whom we were fain constantly to feed with his meat. But still he continued much at the same growth. After dinner we were not long suffered to digest our meat, but after that the virgin together with the bird was departed from us. The fifth room was set open to us, whither we got to after the former manner, and tendered our service. In this room a bath was prepared for our bird, which was so colored with a fine white powder that it had the appearance of mere milk. Now it was at first cool when the bird was set into it. He was mightily pleased with it, drinking of it, and pleasantly sporting in it. But after it began to heat, by reason of the lamps that were placed under it, we had enough to do to keep him in the bath. We therefore clapped a cover over the kettle, and suffered him to thrust his head out through the hole, till he had, in this sort, lost all his feathers in this bath, and was as smooth as a newborn child. Yet the heat did to him no further harm, at which I much marvelled, for in this bath the feathers were quite consumed, and the bath was thereby tinged into blue. At length we gave the bird air, who of himself sprung out of the kettle, and was so glitteringly smooth that it was a pleasure to behold. But because he was still somewhat wild, we were fain to put a collar with a chain about his neck, and so led him up and down the room. Meantime a strong fire was made under the kettle, and the bath sought in a way till it all came to blue stone which we took out, and having first pounded it, we were afterwards fain to grind it on a stone, and finally with this color to paint the bird's whole skin over. Now he looked much more strangely, for he was all blue, except the head, which remained white. Herewith our work on this story was too performed, and we, after the German with her blue bird was departed from us, were called up through the hole to the sixth story, which was done too. There we were mightily troubled, for in the midst a little alder. Every way like that in the king's hall above described was placed, upon which stood the six aforementioned particulars, and he himself, the bird, made the seventh. First of all the little fountain was set before him, out of which he drank a good draught. Afterwards he pecked upon the white serpent until she bled mightily. This blood we were to receive into a golden cup, and pour it down the bird's throat who was mighty averse from it. Then we dipped the serpent's head in the fountain, upon which she again revived, and crept into her death's head, so that I saw her no more for a long time after. Meantime the sphere turned constantly on, until it made the desired conjunction. Immediately the watch struck one, upon which there was a going another conjunction. Then the watch struck two. Finally, whilst we were observing the third conjunction, and the same was indicated by the watch, the poor bird himself submissively laid down his neck upon the book, and willingly suffered his head, by one of us, thereto chosen by lot, to be smitten off. Howbeit he yielded not one drop of blood, till he was opened on the breast, and then the blood spun out so fresh and clear as if it had been a fountain of rubies. His death went to the heart of us and yet we might well judge that a naked bird would stand us in little stead. So we let it rest, and removed the little altar away, and insisted the virgin to burn the body, together with the little hanging tablet by, to ashes, with fire kindled at the little taper, afterwards to cleanse the same several times, and to lay them in a box of cypress wood. Here I cannot conceal what a trick I and three more were served. After we had thus diligently taken up the ashes, the virgin began to speak thus, My lords, we are here in the sixth room, and we have only one more before us, in which our trouble will be at an end, and then we shall return home again to our castle, to awaken our most gracious lords and ladies. Now albeit I could hardly wish that all of you, as you are here together, had behaved yourselves in such sort that i might have given you commendations to our most renowned king and queen and you have obtained a suitable reward yet because contrary to my desire i have found amongst you these four herewith she pointed at me and three more lazy and sluggish laborers and yet according to my good will to all and every one i am not willing to deliver them up to condone punishment however that such negligence may not remain wholly unpunished, I am proposing thus concerning them, 
that they shall only be excluded from the future seventh and most glorious action of all the rest and so too they shall incur no further blame from their royal majesties in what a case we were now at this speech i leave others to consider for the virgin so well knew how to keep her countenance that the water soon ran over the baskets and we esteemed ourselves the most unhappy of all men after this the virgin by one of her maids whereof there were always many at hand caused the musicians to be fetched who were with the coronets to blow us out of doors with such scorn and derision that they themselves could hardly sound for laughing but it did particularly mightily affect us that the virgin so vehemently laughed at our weeping anger and impatience and that there might well perhaps be some amongst our companions who were glad of this our misfortune but it proved otherwise for as soon as we were come out at the door the musicians bid us of good cheer and follow them up the winding stairs they led us up to the seventh floor under the roof where we found the old man whom we had not hitherto seen standing upon a little round furnace he received us friendly and heartily congratulated us that we were hereto chosen by the virgin but after he understood the affright we had conceived his belly was ready to burst with laughing that we had taken such good fortune so heinously hence said he my dear sons learn that man never knoweth how well god intendeth him during this discourse the virgin also with her little box came running in who after she had sufficiently laughed at us emptied her ashes out into another vessel and filled hers again with other matter saying she must now go cast a mist before the other artist's eyes that we in the meantime should obey the old lord in whatever he commanded us and not remit our former diligence herewith she departed from us into the seventh room whither she called our companions now what she first did with them there i cannot tell for they were not only the most earnestly forbidden to speak of it but we too by reason of our business durst not peep on them through the ceiling but this was our work we were to moisten the ashes with four prepared water till they came together like a very thin dough after which we set the matter over the fire till it was well heated then we cast it thus hot as it was into two little forms or moulds and so let it cool a little here we had leisure to look upon our companions through certain crevices made in the floor they were now very busy at a furnace and each was himself fain to blow up the fire with a pipe and they stood thus blowing about it as if they were herein wondrously preferred before us and this blowing lasted so long till our old man roused us to our work again so that i cannot say what was done afterwards we having opened our little forms there appeared two beautiful bright and almost transparent little images the like to which man's eye never saw a male and a female each of them only four inches long and that which most mightily surprised me was that they were not hard but limber and fleshy as other human bodies yet they had no life so that i do most assuredly believe that the lady venus's image was also made after some such way these angelically fair babes we first laid upon two little satin cushions and beheld them a good while till we were almost besotted upon so exquisite an object the old lord warned us to forbear and continually to instill the blood of the bird which had been received into a golden cup drop after drop into the mouths of the little images from whence they apparently to the eye increased and whereas they were before very small they were now according to proportion much more beautiful so that worthily all limners ought to have been there and have been ashamed of their art in respect of these productions of nature now they grow so big that we lifted them from the little cushions and were fain to lay them upon a long table which was covered with white velvet the old man also commanded us to cover them over up to the breast with a piece of fine white double taffeta which because of their unspeakable beauty almost went against us but that i may be brief before we had this in manner quite spent the blood they were already in their perfect full growth they had gold-yellow curled hair an above-mentioned figure of venus was nothing to them but there was not yet any natural warmth or sensibility in them they were dead figures yet of a lively and natural color and since it was to be taken that they grew not too great the old man would not permit anything more to be given them but quite covered their faces too with the silk 
and caused the table to be stuck round with the torches here i must warn the reader that he imagined not these lights to have been of necessity for the old man's intent hereby was only that we should not observe when the soul entered into them as indeed we should not have taken notice of it in case i had not twice before seen the flames however i permitted the three other to remain in their belief neither did the old man know that i had seen anything more hereupon he bid us sit down on a bench over against the table presently the virgin came in too with the music and all furniture and carried two curious white garments the like to which i have never seen in the castle neither can i describe them for i thought no other but that they were mere crystal but they were gentle and not transparent so that i cannot speak of them these she laid down on a table and after she had disposed her virgin upon a bench round about she and the old man began many legermain tricks about the table which was done only to blind us this as i told you was managed under the roof which was wonderfully formed for the inside it was arched into seven hemispheres of which the middlemost was somewhat the highest and at the top a little round hole which was nevertheless shut and was observed by no one else after these ceremonies stepped in six virgins each of which bare a large trumpet which were rowelled about with green glittering and burning material like a wreath one of which the old man took and after he had removed some of the lights at top and uncovered their faces he placed one of the trumpets upon the mouth of one of the bodies in such a manner that the upper and wider part of it was directed just against the aforementioned hole here my companions always looked upon the images but i had other thoughts for as soon as the foliage or wreath about the shank of the trumpet was kindled i saw the hole at the top open and a bright stream of fire shooting down the tube and passing into the body whereupon the hole was again covered and the trumpet removed with this device my companions were deluded so that they imagined that life came into the image by means of the fire of foliage for as soon as he received the soul he twinkled with his eyes howbeit he scarce stirred the second time he placed another tube upon its mouth and kindled it again and the soul was let down through the tube this was repeated upon each of them three times after which all of the lights were extinguished and carried away the velvet carpets of the table were cast together over them and immediately a travelling bed was unlocked and made ready into which thus wrapped up they were borne and so after the carpets were taken off them they were neatly laid by each other where with the curtains drawn before them they slept a good while now it was also time for the virgin to see how our other artists behaved themselves they were well pleased because as the virgin afterwards informed me they were to work in gold which is indeed a piece of also this art but not the most principal most necessary and best they had indeed to a part of these ashes so that they imagined no other but that the whole bird was provided for the sake of gold and that life must thereby be restored to the deceased during which we sat very still attending when our married couple would awake thus about half an hour was spent for then the wanton cupid presented himself again and after he had saluted us all he flew to them behind the curtain tormenting them so long till they awaked this happened to them with very great amazement for they imagined no other but they had hitherto slept from the very hour in which they were beheaded cupid after he had awaked them and renewed their acquaintance with one another stepped aside a little and permitted them both somewhat better to recruit themselves meantime playing his tricks with us and at length he would needs have the music fetched to be somewhat the merrier not long after the virgin herself comes and after she had most humbly saluted the young king and queen who found themselves somewhat faint and kissed their hands she brought them the two aforementioned curious garments which they put on and so stepped forth now they were already prepared two very curious chairs wherein they placed themselves and so were by us with the most profound reverence congratulated for which the king in his own person most graciously returned his thanks and again reassured us all of grace it was already about five o'clock wherefore they could make no longer stay 
but as soon as ever the chiefest of their furniture could be laden they were to attend the young royal persons down the winding stairs through all doors and watches unto the ship in which they embarked themselves together with certain virgins and cupid and sailed so mighty swift that we soon lost sight of them yet they were met as i was informed by certain stately ships thus in four hours time they had made many leagues out to sea after five o'clock the musicians were charged to carry all things back again into the ships and make themselves ready for the voyage but because this was somewhat a long doing the old lord commanded forth a party of his concealed soldiers who had hitherto been planted in the wall so that what we had taken no notice of any of them whereby i observed that this tower was well provided against opposition now these soldiers made quick work with our stuff so that no more remained further to be done but go to supper now the table being completely furnished the virgin brings us again to our companions where we were to carry ourselves as if we had truly been in a lamentable condition and forbear laughing but they were always smiling one upon another howbeit some of them too sympathized with us at this supper the old lord was with us too who was a most sharp inspector over us for none could propound anything so discreetly but that he knew how either to confute it or amend it or at least give to some good document upon it i learned most by his lord and it were very good that each one would apply himself to him and take notice of his procedure for then things would not so often and so untowardly miscarry after we had taken our nocturnal defection the old lord led us into his closets of rarities which were here and there dispersed among the bulwarks where we saw such wonderful productions of nature and other things too which man's wit in imitation of nature had invented that we needed a year or more sufficiently to survey them thus we spent a good part of the night by candlelight at last because we were more inclined to sleep than see many rarities we were lodged in rooms in the wall where we had not only costly good beds but also besides extraordinary handsome chambers which made us more wonder why we were the day before forced to undergo so many hardships in this chamber i had a good rest and being for the most part without care and weary with continual labor the gentle rushing of the sea helped me to a sound and sweet sleep for i continued in one dream from eleven o'clock till eight in the morning the seventh day after eight o'clock i awaked and quickly made myself ready being desirous to return again into the tower but the dark passages in the wall were so many and various that i wandered a good while before i could find the way out the same happened to the rest too till at last we all met again in the nearmost vault and habits entirely yellow were given us together with our golden fleeces at this time the virgin declared to us that we were knights of the golden stone of which we were before ignorant after we had now thus made ourselves ready and taken our breakfast the old man presented each of us with a medal of gold on one side of these stood these words art is the priestess of nature on the other these nature is the daughter of time exhorting us moreover we should enterprise nothing beyond and against the token of remembrance herewith we went forth to the sea where our ships lay so richly equipped that it was not well possible but that such brave things must first have been brought thither the ships were twelve in number six of ours and six of the old lords who caused his ships to be freighted with well-appointed soldiers but he betook himself to us into our ship where we all were together in the first the musicians seated themselves of which the old lord had also a great number they sailed before us to shorten the time our flags were the twelve celestial signs and we sat in libra besides other things our ship also had a noble and curious clock which showed us all of the minutes the sea too was so calm that it was a singular pleasure to sail but that which surpassed all the rest was the old man's discourse who so well knew how to pass away our time with wonderful histories that i could have been content to sail with him my life long meantime the ships passed on amain for before we had sailed two hours the mariner told us that he already saw the whole lake almost covered with ships by which we could conjecture they were come out to meet us which also proved true 
for as soon as we were gotten out of the sea into the lake by the aforementioned river there presently stood into us five hundred ships one of which sparkled with mere gold and precious stones in which sat the king and queen together with other lords ladies and virgins of high birth as soon as they were well in ken of us the pieces were discharged on both sides and there was such a din of trumpets shalms and kettle-drums that all the ships upon the sea capered again finally as soon as we came near they bought about our ships together and so made us stand immediately the old atlas stepped forth on the king's behalf making a short but handsome oration wherein he welcomed us and demanded whether the royal parents were in readiness the rest of my companions were in huge amazement whence this king should arise for they imagined no other but they must again awaken him we suffered them to continue their wonderment and carried ourselves as if it seemed strange to us too after atlas's oration outsteps our old man making a somewhat larger reply wherein he wished the king and queen all the happiness and increase after which he delivered up a curious small casket but what was in it i know not it was only committed to cupid who hoovered between them both to keep after the oration was finished they again let off a joyful volley of shot and so we sailed on a good time together till at length we arrived at another shore this was near the first gate at which i first entered at this place again there attended a great multitude of king's family together with some hundreds of horses now as soon as we were come to shore and disembarked the king and queen presented their hands to all of us one with another with singular kindness and so we were to get upon horseback here i desire to have the reader friendly entreated not to interpret the following narration to any vain glory or pride of mine but to credit me thus far that if there had not been a special necessity in it i could very well have utterly concealed this honour which was showed me we were all one after another distributed amongst the lords but our old lord and i most unworthy were to ride even with the king each of us bearing a snow-white ensign with a red cross i indeed was made use of because of my age for we both had long gray beards and hair i had besides fastened my token around about my hat of which the young king soon took notice and demanded if i were he who could at the gate redeem these tokens i answered in most humble manner yea but he laughed on me saying there henceforth needed no ceremony i was his father then he asked me wherewith had i redeemed them i replied with water and salt whereupon he wondered who had made me so wise upon which i grew somewhat more confident and recounted unto him how it had happened to me with my bread the dove and the raven and he was pleased with it and said expressly that it must needs be that god had herein vouchsafed me for a singular happiness herewith we came to the first gate where the porter with blue clothes waited who bare in his hand a supplication now as soon as he spied me even with the king he delivered me the supplication most humbly beseeching me to mention his ingenuity towards me before the king now in the first place i demanded of the king what the condition of this porter was who friendly answered me that he was a very famous and rare astrologer and always in high regard with the lord his father but having on a time committed a fault against venus and beheld her in her bed of rest this punishment was therefore imposed upon him that he should so long wait at the first gate till someone should release him from thence i replied may he then be released yes said the king if any one can be found that hath as highly transgressed himself he must stand in his stead and the other shall be free this word went to my heart for my conscience had convinced me that i was the offender yet i held my peace and herewith delivered the supplication as soon as he had read it he was mightily terrified so that the queen who with our virgins and that other queen besides of whom i mention at the hanging of the weights read just behind us observed it and therefore asked him what this letter might signify but he had no mind that he should take notice of it but putting up the paper began to discourse of other matters till thus in about three hours we came to quite the castle where we alighted and waited upon the king into his forementioned hall 
Immediately the king called for the old Atlas, to come to him in a lizzle closet, and showed him the writing, who made no long tarrying, but read out again to the porter to take better cognizance of the matter. After which the young king with his spouse and other lords, ladies, and virgins sat down. Then began our virgin highly to commend the diligence we had used, and the pains and labor we had undergone requesting we might be royally rewarded and that she henceforth might be permitted to enjoy the benefit of her commission then the old lord stood up too and attested that all that the virgin had spoken was true and that if it was but equity that we should both on both parts be contented hereupon we were to step out a little and it was concluded that each man should make some possible wish and accordingly obtain it for it was not to be doubted but that those of understanding would also make the best wish so we were to consider of it till after supper meantime the king and queen for recreation's sake began to fall to play together it looked not unlike chess only it had other laws for it was the venus and the vices one against the other where it might ingeniously be observed with what plots and vices lay in wait for the virtues and how to recounter them again this was so properly and artificially performed that it were to be wished that we had the game too during the game in comes atlas again and makes his report in private yet i blushed all over for my conscience gave me no rest after which the king presented me the supplication to read and contents whereof were much to this purpose for he wished the king prosperity and increase that his seed might be spread abroad far and wide afterwards he remonstrated that the time was now accomplished wherein according to the royal promise he ought to be released because venus was already uncovered by one of his guests and his observations could not lie to him and that if his majesty would please to make a strict and diligent inquiry he would find that she had been uncovered and in case this should not prove to be so he would be content to remain before the gate all of his days then he sued in the most humble manner that upon the peril of body and life he might be permitted to be present at this night's supper he was in good hopes to spy out the very offender and obtain his wished freedom this was expressly and handsomely indicated by which i well perceived his ingenuity but it was too sharp for me and i could well have endured never to have seen it now i was casting in my mind whether he might perchance be helped through my wish so i asked the king whether he might not be released some other way no replied the king because there is a special consideration in the business however for this night we may well gratify him in his desire and so he sent one forth to fetch him in meantime the tables were prepared in a spacious room in which we had never been before it was so complete and in such manner contrived that it is not possible for me only to begin to describe it into this we were conducted with singular pomp and ceremony Cupid was not present at this time, for, as I was informed, the disgrace which had happened to his mother had somewhat angered him. In brief, my offence, and the supplication which was delivered were an occasion of much sadness, for the king was in perplexity how to make inquisition amongst his guests, and the more because thus even they too, who were ignorant of the matter, would come to the knowledge of it so he caused the porter himself who was already come to make his strict survey and showed himself as pleasant as he was able howbeit at length they began again to be merry and to bespeak one another with all sorts of recreative and profitable discourses now how the treatment and other ceremonies were then performed it is not necessary to declare since it is neither the reader's concern nor serviceable to my design but all exceeded more in art and human invention than that we were overcharged with drinking and this was the last and noblest meal at which i was present after the banquet the tables were suddenly taken away and curious chairs placed round about in a circle in which we together with the king and queen both their old men the ladies and virgins were to sit after which a very handsome page opened the above-mentioned glorious little book when atlas immediately placing himself in the midst began to bespeak us to the ensuing purpose that his royal majesty had not yet committed to oblivion the service we had done him and how carefully we had attended our duty 
and therefore by way of retribution had elected all and each of the knights of the golden stone that it was therefore further necessary not only once again to oblige ourselves towards his royal majesty but to vow too upon the following articles and then his royal majesty would likewise know how to behave himself toward his liege people upon which he caused the page to read over the articles which were these you my lords the knights shall swear that you shall know at no time ascribe your order either unto any devil or spirit but only to god your creator and his handmade nature that you will abominate all whoredom inconsistency and uncleanliness and not defile your order with such vices that through your talents will be ready to assist all that are worthy and have need of them that you desire not to employ this honor to worldly pride and high authority that you shall not be willing to live longer than god will have you at this last article we could not choose but laugh sufficiently and it may well have been placed after the rest only for a conceit now being to vow to them all by the king's sceptre we were afterwards with the usual ceremonies installed knights and amongst other privileges set over ignorance poverty and sickness to handle them at our pleasure and this was afterwards ratified in a little chapel whither we were all conducted in a procession and thanks returned to god for it where i also at that time to the honour of god hung up my golden fleece and hat and left them there for an eternal memorial and because every one was there to write his name i writ thus the highest knowledge is to know nothing brother christian rosenkreutz knight of the golden stone in the year fourteen fifty nine others writ otherwise and truly each as seemed him good after which we were again brought into the hall where being sat down we were admonished quickly to bethink ourselves what every one would wish but the king and his party retired into a little closet there to give audience to our wishes now each man was called in severally so that i cannot speak of any man's proper wish i thought nothing could be more praiseworthy than in honour of my order to demonstrate some laudable virtue and found too that none at present voted to be more famous and cost me more trouble than gratitude wherefore not regarding that i might well have wished somewhat more dear and agreeable to myself i vanquished myself and concluded even with my own peril to free the porter my benefactor wherefore being called in i was first of all demanded whether having read the supplication i had observed or suspected nothing concerning the offender upon which i began undauntedly to relate how all the business had passed how through ignorance i fell into that mistake and so offered myself to undergo all that i had thereby demerited the king and the rest of the lords wondered mightily at so unhoped-for confession and so wished me to step aside a little now as soon as i was called for again atlas declared to me that although it were grievous to the king's majesty that i whom he loved above others was fallen into such a mischance yet because it was not possible for him to transgress his ancient usages he knew not how else to absolve me but that the other must be at liberty and i placed in his stead yet he would hope that some other would soon be apprehended so that i might be able to go home again however no release was to be hoped for till the marriage feast of his future son this sentence had near cost me my life and i first hated myself for my twaddling tongue in that i could not hold my peace yet at last i took courage and because i considered there was no remedy i related how this porter had bestowed a token on me and commended me to the other by whose assistance i stood upon the scale and so was made partaker of all the honour and joy already received and therefore now it was but equal that i showed myself gratefully to my benefactor and because the same could no way else be done i returned thanks for the sentence and was willing gladly to sustain some inconvenience for his sake who had been helpful to me in coming so high a place but if by my wish anything might be effected i wished myself at home again and that so he by me and i by my wish might be at liberty answer was made me that the wishing stretched not so far however i might well wish him free yet it was very pleasing to his royal majesty that i had behaved myself so generously herein 
but he was afraid that i might still be ignorant into what a miserable condition i had plunged myself through this my curiosity hereupon the good man was pronounced free and i with a sad heart was fain to step aside after me the rest were called for too who came jocundly out again which was still more to my smart for i imagined no other but that i must finish my life under the gate i had so many pensive thoughts running up and down my head what i should yet undertake and wherewith to spend the time at length i considered that i was now old and according to the course of nature had few years more to live and that this anguish and melancholy life would easily dispatch me and then my doorkeeping would be at an end and that by a most happy sleep i might quickly bring myself into the grave i had a sundry of these thoughts sometimes it vexed me that i had seen such gallant things and must be robbed of them sometimes it rejoiced me that yet before my end i had been accepted to all joy and should not be forced to so shamefully depart this was the last and worst shock that i sustained during these my cogitations the rest were ready wherefore after they had received a good night from the kings and lords each one was conducted into his lodging but i most wretched man had no body to show me the way and yet must moreover suffer myself to be tormented that i might be certain of my future function i was fain to put on the ring which the other had before worn finally the king exhorted me that since this was now the last time i was like to see him in this manner i should however behave myself according to my place and not against the order upon which he took me also in his arms and kissed me all of which i so understood as if in the morning i must sit at my gate now after they had all a while spoken friendly to me and at last presented their hands committing me to divine protection i was by both the old men the lord of the tower and atlas conducted into a glorious lodging in which stood three beds and each of us lay in one of them where we spent almost two and see here are wanting about two leaves in quarto and he the author hereof whereas he imagined he must in the morning be doorkeeper returned home end of the sixth and seventh day recording by kirk ziegler ogden utah voiceovers by kirk dot com end of the chemical wedding of christian rosenkreutz author unknown translated by e foxcroft